0: Welcome back to the People of the Way podcast, a conversation for those who care for children and who want to raise them in the virtues of God so that they can grow up in every way into Jesus Christ. Soon to be posted on iTunes and Google Play. You can find out more about us now by visiting peopleoftheway.org or by going to the People of the Way private Facebook group.
1: I'm Father Len Cowan, who with my wife Hallie have co-founded the Abbey of the Way. That's a home and a ministry of prayer and spiritual formation for leadership development. And you can find out about us by visiting abbeyoftheway.us. And I'm also the proud father of the person to my left, Mm -hmm. Pastor Sarah Cowan-Johnson, who's executive pastor of Sanctuary Church. That's a covenant church in Providence, Rhode Island. One church with three congregations and a network of missions, seeking the renewal of their neighborhoods their city and their world. So in this family-based conversation, we have the fun of covering three generations, the aging parents of which I represent, the grown children, Sarah and her husband, Greg, and the grandchildren, Mm -hmm. Noah and Silas. We remember how we raised Sarah and her sister and how they are seeking, uh, Greg and Sarah, seeking to walk in the way of Jesus and how Hallie and I can be part of that task for a second time. In fact, though we have had and continue to have a ministry in Christ to others, the raising of our children in Christ and now helping with the raising of our grandchildren is first on our list of priorities, just behind serving God and loving each other.
0: So in our conversations here, we've been talking about adopting various spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines as a family, and how do we invite our children and grandchildren to share in those practices with us. But how important or effective are spiritual practices really? Jesus encountered religious people in his day who kept perfect religious practices, but were spiritually dead inside. And so what happens if we keep the law to every point and we are very disciplined and, you know, on top of all of our spiritual practices, but still manage to raise children who, as a friend of my parents put it, are compliant little sinners. And so what do we do? How do we uh, think about practices? What are the role of practices in the formation of our children? And so Dad and I, with this podcast, have chosen to focus first on virtues, those attributes of God which we pray that he will place within us to transform us and our children more and more into the likeness of Christ. And then this is where practices come in because we believe that certain spiritual practices will put us in a place where the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to plant those virtues in us and our children. Richard Foster, who's an author who's written a lot on prayer, has this beautiful uh, metaphor for spiritual practices. He talks about them being a pathway of disciplined grace. And this path runs uh, sort of a narrow line between two chasms. On one hand, we have the chasm of spiritual apathy and not really trying at all. And on the other hand, we have the chasm of spiritual striving or really religiosity. But this pathway, um, it's not the practices that make us holy or save us or transform us. They merely are the path that leads us towards the presence of the Holy Spirit who then does his good work in us and brings these virtues to life in us.
1: So today we want to focus on the virtue of confidence whereby we come to believe that we can approach God with confidence in this life and in the next life, and that in this life, all things do work together for good, for those who love and are called by God, and that through Christ, we have competence to fulfill our life's purpose in this world. Now, obviously, to any of you who are listening to this podcast in March 2020, maintaining confidence in the age of coronavirus is something that all around us in the world are seeking, including parents seeking to pass along that confidence to their children. What are we to say or to do with our children to develop confidence even in these days when many of us are not sure if we have confidence that we'll have resources Mm -hmm. to pay for a roof over our head or food for our table, or even resources to maintain our health or for some, Mm -hmm. even maintaining life itself. When those things in which we have placed confidence in prior days are so badly shaken or Mm -hmm. taken away, what does it mean to find confidence and to instill that kind of confidence in our children? So obviously the confidence that we're talking about is different from the confidence that is instilled in us and in our children by this world, and particularly by the economic and social confidence which many in the West have enjoyed. And neither is it the self-confidence attitude of this age in which we're told to kind of pump up ourselves so that we can then pump up our kids and push them forward to achievement and success. Though all of that has been sort of normative or normal in the past, nothing today seems normal at all and we wonder if we will ever be able to regain our confidence as individuals, as a family, as a nation and as a world. You see, the virtue of confidence is a virtue which we believe resides first in God, whose seemingly effortless work of creation described in Genesis 1 is a model of confidence. There's a repeated phrase that describes the authority and security of God's nature and actions as he created. It's the simple rephrase, and God said, let there be. Mm It's just this kind of sense that if I say it, it'll happen. Now, there are a lot of people like myself who think that if I say stuff, it'll Mm -hmm. happen. That's the curse of, I think, the boomer generation. That's why people say, "Okay, boomer. But God is able to do that. There's just this sense. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but that God is supremely confident in himself. And so as we encourage ourselves and our children to appreciate the ultimate confidence and security which God has in himself, then we're asking him to give us that same security in him and to respond as does the psalmist in Psalm 20, verses seven and eight, when he says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up, and stand firm. And so in these days, though, we are grateful for government, for business, for courts, for social servants, for medicine, and for all that they're doing today to try to help us out of this huge jam that the whole world seems to be in. Though we're grateful for them, we don't place our ultimate trust in them. For if we do, we and they will surely fall and fail we and our children can rise up and stand firm because we trust in the Lord who encourages us to respect and to look to such authorities and helpers but ultimately to draw upon his confidence in himself and his plan for creation that continues and will instill in us the confidence we need today right now this very moment
0: It's so good and so timely for this moment. Yeah. So how is it then that we and our children might come to have this sure confidence in God, in themselves and in others, that can lead them out into God's world to fulfill his plan for them? And how does this work in a season in which most of us are being encouraged to stay home? Since the world around us seems to be filled with danger in the form of invisible viruses waiting to harm us, how do we help our children to feel confident so that they are able to do the things that God is asking them to do. So a reminder in this podcast, we discuss ways of intentionally parenting and discipling our children to help them walk in the way of Jesus, including his way of confidence, even in this season. And as we've said before, we do this in different ways for the different stages of faith development in children. But across all of the stages, in orienting ourselves and our our children such that we can receive the virtue of confidence from God and each other and pass it along to others. There is the spiritual practice of belonging, belonging to the family and belonging to the family of God, which is the church.
1: So for children of all ages, uh, particularly for those in the affiliative stage, which is all about belonging and relationships, but really for all the stages, including those going through the questioning phase when some separation or individuation seems to be normal and necessary, nonetheless belonging to a family, and we'll put that in quotes, uh, is an essential arena to be developed for discovering and maintaining confidence in the world, in others, in oneself, and in God. Knowing that you belong, that you are beloved and that you are pleasing within some kind of family system, whether it be your birth family or some other kind of extended family. That was even needed by Jesus in his relationship with his parents and his siblings and with God. For just prior to the end of his private life in ministry as a son and as a co-worker in the carpenter shop, and just before the beginning of his public life in ministry as the Messiah, Jesus was told by the heavenly father at his baptism. You are my son, you are the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. In such a context, hearing that, not just once, but repeatedly in a variety of different ways, all three of those areas that you're chosen, that you're beloved, and that you're pleasing, in such a context, a child, even a 30-year-old child, can flourish in confidence because of the confidence placed in that child by those in whom they can be confident. If that's the case, then life is possible no matter what.
0: I'm just gonna um, illustrate that really quick. Um, This Valentine's Day, so last month, I got a Valentine card in the mail from dad. And it was this just incredibly poignant, powerful blessing of who I am and why I'm beloved by him and by my mom. It was very short. But I saved that um, and yeah I'm 39 and my dad is still (laughs) saying you are my daughter whom I love and with you I am well pleased so just to illustrate that yeah this is for little kids but this continues well into adulthood
1: awesome thank you yeah that was wonderful I loved (laughs) doing that I'd love to hear that that actually Hit the mark. Yes, That's great. Did. Well, key in a family being able to communicate and foster confidence in their children is this balance between family closeness and family flexibility. So if you picture in your mind a graph and what is it called? What is that Yeah. Called? So
0: this is my favorite kind of chart. It's a two by two grid that makes four quadrants where you put One value on the x-axis and one value on the y-axis, and you get four different options. And I love this kind of chart so much that I have a friend who jokes that I need a blank uh, canvas of that, you know, a blank grid tattooed on my forearm that I can just pull out and fill in anytime I'm referencing it. Uh, But so dad has a two-by-two grid for us around the balance between closeness and flexibility. Yeah,
1: so if you picture Sarah's arm now with that thing <laughs> tattooed on it, the vertical axis describing closeness between the members of the family from distant down on the bottom to enmeshed, meaning, you know, kind of just- Too close. If it's too close. Somebody sneezes in Nebraska and somebody in New York says, uh, God bless <laughs> you. Um, and then a horizontal axis describing flexibility in the family structure from chaotic uh, family structure. You never know who's on first. You never know whether somebody's going to, a parent is going to wake up one morning and act like a two-year-old over to rigid on the other side where everybody has their own roles and no changes and, and no questioning at all. Um, there's this balance uh, that we can have in which the family is close and the family is flexible. Uh, in some ways. So let me give you an example. My family was distant and it was inflexible. Uh, It was distant in the sense that we really never talked about stuff other than kind of we told stories, maybe. And we were inflexible in the sense that it was really pretty clear who was supposed to do what. We even had assigned seats uh, at the dinner table. And it it was fine, But, but the problem was It was hard for me, at least personally, to develop any sense of belonging or any real sense of developing my identity since the family role patterns were so rigid. I was always the baby boy, and that was the way it was. And Whenever I got together with them, it was always I ended up feeling like the baby boy. And so what result was that it, it contributed to a deep sense of insecurity for me and paradoxically to my very successful older brother as well. On the other hand, I'm aware of other families that are enmeshed and chaotic, often due to substance abuse, that everybody's in everybody's lives and you never know what's going on and, and who's where and so on. In these cases, the child has a hard time differentiating her own identity separate from the family and also has a moving target as to her place in life since the family dynamics are constantly changing. And so in both of those settings, deep insecurity can develop. Well, in the family that Hallie and I sought to develop with Sarah and her sister Betsy, we resolved to pick up on some of what she experienced in her family growing up, a much more close-knit and appropriately flexible arrangement of family. Now, when I first met them, this was really hard Mm -hmm. for me. I wasn't used to such open displays of emotion both positive and negative, I certainly wasn't agree, uh, accustomed to having arguments and to my being able to be cl- personally close to her parents, who I wanted to call Mr. and Mrs. Marshall, mm-hmm. and they were called Tom and Sid. It was just like, I, I, I really thought, uh, I, I experienced it as chaos. I wondered if her parents' marriage was going to survive, because certainly my parents' very kind of stable and solid marriage would survive, and certainly did, but ultimately I came to appreciate the balance and the confidence which that balance seemed to instill in Hallie and her siblings. So in a sense that's the model of family that Hallie and I sought to develop with our children including Sarah Cowan Johnson. Now perhaps you can be thinking about this closeness flexibility axis in your family of origin. What was your family like in these ways as you were growing up and how did it affect you? And if you're the parent of children, you can think about the degree of closeness and flexibility which you're experiencing with your children today. Just as God the Holy Trinity has, if you will, confidence in the relationships within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so we can develop our confidence in him as we find confidence in our relationships of the family of our origin, including developing patterns of relating in the families which we're raising today.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk just briefly about some ways to cultivate a sense of belonging to the family. How do we help our children to develop confidence in their relationships with us and in their place in the family, in a close and flexible family? So these are just a few ideas. You will have many more and better ideas, but um, the first is to think about family rituals. So to think about Meals at the table. Um, How do you want to organize your mealtime together? Is there a meal once a day where you can actually engage each other in conversation? How do we teach our kids to talk to one another? We've been trying to teach our kids how to ask questions. (laughs) You know, do you have a question for someone at the table? Um, So mealtime rituals, family prayer times, thinking about how do we actually build our rule of life to include times that the family is praying together. Um, we have since we're all home during this season of the coronavirus and the kids are not going off to school and we're not rushing out the door. We have actually added several times of checking in as a family throughout the day and praying together. And there's sort of a, there's sort of a gift in being all home together and that we're able to add in these, um, family prayer times and um there was a conflict at one point between when you know the school wanted the kids to take a break for lunch and when we wanted to do our prayer time and we had to talk about well this is our this is our family rule and we'll figure it out with school so um yeah but just making sure we have time as a family to pray bedtime rituals i'm sure all of us are familiar with that Another idea, and this comes from my colleague at Sanctuary, um, Andrew Mook. He talks about the way they talk about their family name. So we are Mooks. His last name is Mook. We are Mooks, so we don't do that. Or we are Mooks, so we act this way. And I just thought that's a very powerful way to to talk about how we live in our family. So we are Johnsons. We do not, um, you know say disparaging things about our friends, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. But to actually include your family name there, it's part of cultivating that belonging to family. Another idea, um, to keep a family Sabbath. We call this family day in our house. It's Saturday for us. And it um, starts with family movie night on Friday night. And the kids know every Friday, they get to pick a movie and we're going to have pizza and it's family movie night. And the whole next day, they have our entire attention all day. We do fun things. We rest. We will engage in worship on Sunday. But We will play together, we'll get outside, we try to keep our phones off. And the kids know that they have one day as a family with our complete and total attention. So I recommend a family Sabbath. And then um, another idea uh, to kind of cultivate a sense of belonging to the family, this is something Greg and I have just started to do with our boys. We did meeting number one last week, is a family meeting. So when I was a child, um, mom and dad would... Have they introduced this idea of a family meeting where the four of us every weekend would gather and we had a chairperson, a secretary, a treasurer, and then somebody who just watched? <laughs> and those roles rotated every week. Somebody, you know, did a different, um, different role every week. And we would go through, um, old business, <laughs> new business. There was an agenda on the fridge that Betsy and I could write, you know, anything that was on our minds to discuss. My,
1: my favorite was one time. When I don't remember who it was, but my sister bit me was an agenda <laughs> item, and uh, it's kind of okay. I guess we're we gonna, were going, to gonna, we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss that, but ahead. it
0: gave us a chance to, um, yeah, have a have a system for arbitrating anything or or talking about any grievance that we might have in the family. We had fun money that we would decide together as a family how we were going to spend. Anyway, um, we did our first family meeting right as we were beginning distance learning with the boys. How are we all going to live in this house together for the next season doing school at home? I'm working from home. Greg is supposed to be on a sabbatical right now. And so we had a family meeting to discuss our daily schedule, to hear any concerns that the boys had about this and to make some decisions together. So I really um, I do encourage that as a space where the kids can voice and um, advocate for themselves and discuss and be part of decision making as appropriate.
1: The other thing about the family meeting that I think is pretty significant is that it, it can instill in those who are called in this way to a certain kind of qualities of leadership and personal advocacy when uh, each of the girls would lead the meeting mm-hmm. and we would just be sitting there as participants. And, and that was a good kind of way of testing the flexibility of the family uh, roles. We were always the mom and dad. We got that. And I suppose we had veto power, but sure. we never used it but that was the idea. So I hope you got the sense here from what Sarah described is the power of patterning, the power of, uh, of ritual, particularly in these days. And again, we're in the uh, coronavirus period where all schedules are off. It's really helpful. Confidence can be instilled as a family kind of sets a particular way that we're gonna go about living our lives. And children can come to depend upon those things in the midst of the undependability of my new life, my new schedule without school and without friends. Mm. But those are things that are useful at any time, at any season, even when we, so to speak, we hope, get back to normal. So belonging to the family is key for developing a sense of confidence, as is belonging to the church. Now, in our upbringing, Hallie's family went to church every week though there was some distancing from her parents getting deeply involved or really belonging to the church. In fact, you know, many of us betray our sense of church when we say, I go to this or that church, or worse in my estimation, we say, I go to pastor so-and-so's church, as if church was a place that we go to on a weekend, and the one relationship that really matters is the one with pastor or father. The key here is belonging to church, the family of God, which eventually comes to replace our family of origin as the chief mediator of the confidence of God which we can have within us. Now, in my family, it was my mom and my brothers who went around the corner with me to church, but we never really belonged. And therefore, I and my brothers dropped out by the time we were 12, because it was ostensibly meaningless. But I suffered for that, because I had been struggling and continued to struggle with a rather morbid fear of death, and I had no one to turn to, either at home or at church. And I had to fight this internal battle all by myself, and I wasn't doing too well with it, until I met Jesus and joined a Christian fellowship and eventually a church a body a bunch of people a family to which i could belong and who would support me in finding my confidence in god
0: that's awesome so how do we help our kids to belong and to feel that sense of belonging to the church how do we cultivate that sense of belonging in our kids so i think first um, i would say Uh, modeling and teaching the importance of participating in the local body. So when I was a child, uh, the only excuses for staying home were you had a fever or you were throwing up. And to this day, if I tell... I remember distinctly calling dad one time and saying, oh yeah, I didn't make it to church today. And he was like, are you okay? (laughs) Are you dying? Um, But that, you know, it it sounds rigid, but it was this idea that we don't go to church when we feel like it. We don't go to church when it's convenient. We are part of the church. And this is when the church gathers. This is the family meal of the church. And so we've gotta be there. It's not as rigid as it sounds as much as this is who we are. And this is when our people gather. Um, I think another way to reinforce that is I try to be really careful about our language. We, we talk about the church building, not the church. So I left something at the church building. Um, we talk about um, going to worship or after worship as opposed to going to church and after church. Um, the church, we use that word specifically to refer to the people of God. Another just, I think, great way to help kids belong to the church. Um, So the book Sticky Faith, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, But it's the Fuller Youth Institute's um, results of a giant study on how kids uh, maintain their faith into adulthood. Uh, But one of the biggest factors that they point out is a child having five Christian adults who know and care about them. This is not even as involved as a Sunday school teacher or a youth group leader, just somebody else in the local church who knows and loves them. And my kids have five plus, you know. Um, Jenna Klaus is a friend who loves my boys and, you know, knows what's going on in their life and can say, hey, Noah, I heard it's your birthday. You know, that kind of friend that kids need five adult Christians who know and love them. So let's um, briefly consider um, just the different stages and um, some, you know, just kind of quick ideas for cultivating this sense of confidence at um, different stages of faith. So uh, beginning with the experiential stage, these are little guys, zero to six, um, who are learning by doing, focused on the actions of faith and focused primarily on um, themselves. So for this age, uh, their confidence in God and their confidence in themselves is basically indistinguishable from their confidence in their primary caretakers. So usually that's mom and dad. And so I would say anything that we've already talked about here about enhancing the sense of family and the security in the parent child relationship, uh, working on that flexible, um, close family system, tweaking that as you need to. Any time that you can do one-on-one time, especially around a new baby coming into the family, any major changes happening. Um, Also, Greg and I try to do this when we notice um, some favoritism happening. When a child prefers one of us, we try to counterbalance with one-on-one time with the other parent. So moving into then the affiliative stage, so this is ages about 7 to 11, entering into the preteen years. Um, This stage is focused primarily on belonging to the family or peer group. So this fits exactly with what we're saying and learning by belonging, I believe because we believe. And so I think at this moment, I would say it's really important to begin getting them connected with a peer group of other followers of Jesus, a space where they are not the weirdo in the room who follows Jesus. So at school, Noah, often my 10 year old often wrestles with, when to talk about his faith, how to talk about his faith. He's aware of who believes in God and who doesn't. And so getting him in a space where he's around peers who also love and want to follow Jesus. So, you know, honestly, again, with the coronavirus providing sort of these interesting opportunities for creativity, um, we began, there's about six or seven 10 and 11 year old boys in our sanctuary congregations that, um, They're in three different congregations, so they almost never see each other on Sundays. It would be a lot of work to get them all together somewhere in the city in the middle of the week with everyone's schedules, but now they're home doing nothing, and everything is happening virtually, so we started a preteen boys Bible study. (laughs) It's an hour long. It's inductive Bible study. They loved it, and I just feel so excited that they are bonding with each other as friends and as followers of Jesus, so I think that that... As much as you can do that in this stage, even virtually, I think is um, important.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, in terms of confidence for the searching adolescence, that's really hard since everything is being questioned. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like they go through, remember your own adolescence, you go through a period of time when you're sort of almost feeling like all of us are feeling right now, we're questioning everything because mm-hmm. everything is under question and nothing is secure. But it's an essential part of a development of uh, of of identity, individuation, kind of separating from from the family system and so on. So developing confidence in the context of belonging is kind of a challenge. I remember there, there was an, uh, an older guy that I got to know. That's one of the keys, by the way, to parenting is to find somebody who's done it ahead of you. And there was this wonderful guy in my life who's still in my life. Um, and I remember I would get together and say, hey, Doug, what's, what's coming up? Because mm-hmm. he was a little older than me and he had daughters and I had daughters and so on. And he described what I think he called the dark side of the moon, which is where your daughters um, kind of leave your side and they mm-hmm. go off to the dark side of the moon and you kind of don't quite know what they're doing and, you know, et cetera. And he cautioned me not to be a jerk during that time mm-hmm. to kind of poke at them and try to drag them back into being daddy's little girl. But to allow them to go that way, for those of you who uh, have either read books or seen videos about uh, uh, the dark side of the moon and the Apollo moon missions, when the first Apollo space capsule went to the dark side of the moon, it was an anxious time because there's no communication for however long it takes for them to get around the dark side of the moon. And so it is an anxious time for a parent. Uh, as you're no longer having the same kinds of connections that you normally had. But the idea is that you keep gently pitching, you keep relating, you allow them to move around there and you wait for them to come around on the other side. Mm. And that may be you know, tomorrow, Uh, it may be in a week from now, it may be three years from now, but the idea is that you continue to demonstrate that desire to connect, even if they're saying, "Uh, please drop me off about two blocks from school, please kind of thing. Um, but again, maintaining that kind of appropriate connection, somewhat distant at that point, and being ready to welcome them into a new kind of relationship, which I was pleased to do with both of our daughters who are now amongst our best friends. Uh, they're still our, our girls, but, but they're now really among our best friends is, is really key for the searching uh, stage of faith. For an owned faith, when you arrive at adulthood, whatever that means, and again, this isn't a static stage of faith either. There's a book that's written about that called The Critical Journey. But anyway, an owned own faith is certainly meant to be marked by a life of confidence, received and given, a faith that can range out into the world to manifest the secure confidence of God himself in a life that's surrendered to him. For surely in these days, particularly in these days, We want to be able to join with the Apostle Paul. I want to read to you from Romans chapter eight, where he says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am Hmm. confident that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's confidence. Confidence.
0: Before we close, I actually just want to pray over you who are listening, especially if you're listening in March of 2020. So Lord Jesus, we come to you in confidence, knowing that you care for us, you care for this world, you care for all that you have made. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us um, peace in the midst of our own anxiety, give us peace in the midst of our uncertainty, give us confidence, not in any of the world systems that are, you know, in some ways, uh, shaking right now. Lord, we um, want our confidence to be in you. And so, God, give us creativity as we parent in this season. Give us wisdom. Give us stamina. (laughs) Give us patience. Give us a sense of humor, God. Give us uh, just good ideas to entertain the kids at home and help them to learn and all the things that we need to do right now. But Lord, we do pray that we would be creating and cultivating a sense of confidence in our kids, that they um, belong to you, that they are yours, and that they are deeply safe in your arms. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. So um,
0: at this point, we'd love to invite you to continue the conversation on Facebook with us. We have a private Facebook group. You can just search for People of the Way, or you can visit uh, peopleoftheway.org, and there's a link there. We'd love to hear your ideas your suggestions how are you handling this season what are some of your best practices in this time of uncertainty and, and change um, so yeah we'd love to hear from
1: you so hope we'll see you next month april 2020 when we'll look at the virtue of empowerment please join us then for the people of the way